As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey folks, welcome into Ons Waveland, the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma, who I can see is out in sunny Arizona. We can all be either jealous of or live vicariously through him. Uh, we are coming to you, it's Friday. I know that lately we have been dropping on Wednesdays. Thanks for uh, hanging with us an extra couple days. In the parlance of spring training talk, we can say we were... We were delayed by some COVID protocols uh, because uh, I am uh, in recovery from COVID myself. So let me offer that up to folks, not that anybody needs a reminder a year later. But what I can tell you is it is a particular kick in the nuts to make it a year and not get this thing. And then right when the vaccine is getting close to being in your window of people, boom, COVID uh, so that's me. But uh, back at it, mostly clear symptoms now. And I'll apologize in advance if you hear any coughing or uh, heavy breathing. It won't just be because we're talking about uh, some salacious topic. And it's it's actually just me trying to catch my breath from uh, talking. So in any case, <laughs> we're back at it. And how is it out there in Arizona, Sada? Well, apparently there's uh, exotic birds where I'm sitting here in Sloan Park. So if, if you hear the it's not just heavy breathing from Brett, uh, which we're we're thrilled that you're feeling better, Brett, and, and made made it through this. There okay. it is. <laughs> but yeah, there's some there's some birds uh, chirping. They they have some thoughts on the Cubs as well. So we'll we'll let them get their their uh, voices heard as well. God, I hope one of them lands on your shoulder and drops <laughs> some serious takes. <laughs> uh, I could do without that. Thank you. <laughs> you know what? Just poops on your shoulder, then. No, no landing. <laughs> just, just a little quick visit. Uh, okay, so we wanted we wanted to talk a little bit today about uh, something spring training specific, and that's just kind of how Jake Arrieta has been looking. Uh, spoiler alert: pretty good, pretty good. Uh, and we'll get to that. But there was something a little broader than that we wanted to touch on that we realized that we had not really gotten into during this spring period, and it's a topic that is 
typically for most teams, I think pretty associated with spring training, even if it doesn't have anything to do with the games being played. And that is the topic of extensions. And as we know, and have discussed quite a bit, the Cubs have an inordinate volume of players in their walk year. And a number of those players are longstanding Cubs guys that you would think in principle, the the team might want to keep around for a little bit longer. And so We've heard from team president Jed Hoyer explaining that, yeah, spring training would be a good time to have talks with these guys. And and these guys have themselves said, generally speaking, they'd like to stick around and be with Cubs for the long haul. And yet here we are just about 10 days out from opening day, which, while not necessarily a hard cutoff to talks, is often a marker for a lot of players where they just kind of want to know where they stand um, and, and there hasn't been a lot of movement. So I kind of wanted us to talk through a little bit um, on the extension topic with three in particular, no surprises, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, kind of where things stand, where we see the possibilities being from here. And, uh, you know, specifically what might happen in the next 10 days to two weeks. So uh, let's start. Let's go maybe easiest. And, and let's let's go with Anthony Rizzo, who himself has said that he feels very optimistic still about uh, an extension. Obviously, he's become almost synonymous with the team. Thirty-one-year-old uh, first baseman, generally gets out there, plays, still productive, has a skill set that should age reasonably well at the plate. And so you would you would kind of expect something to get done on this front. But where do where do we stand on that, guys? Yeah, I'm going to let Patrick touch on that, but I, I wanted to touch on just oh, something that you said there as far as we haven't really heard much, right, as far as progress in the last last week or 10 days or whatever. But I, I do feel like that that is hard for us to judge in a, in a sense, because I, I don't remember there being a ton of buzz leading up to Kyle Hendricks's. Uh, extension. So these things can kind of come out of the blue for us. Even if we're anticipating it, we may not really uh, know when it's going to come. So no news doesn't necessarily mean bad news in this case. But I think I think Patrick was was there when when Rizzo was talking about uh, the, you know, I guess a sense of optimism or, or just like maybe he portrayed a sense of optimism uh, with regarding uh, regards to uh, an extension, and I, I mean, I in general, I, I I would think that that makes the most sense, and I I can't imagine him being in another uniform uh, in the near term, at least. So, uh, so Patrick, I mean, what what was the vibe when when you were in town here, and and kind of uh, what 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 was your read on the situation? Uh, I was not there for that specific Rizzo. Uh, Q&A. I think what I would say is you're right to point to Kyle Hendricks's extension. I had spoken to him about that and he said, you know, basically they come to you uh, early in the arbitration process. For him, it was three consecutive spring trainings of like, you know, them saying, this is how we see you fitting in. And then the player kind of pushing back and being, that's great. You know, I love it here. But I think my worth uh, might be in, in kind of a different range, and it's just kind of back and forth, and it really reinforces this idea that you know there isn't necessarily like one breakthrough moment on this. Like this is like years and years of conversations. Like it's how you go through the arbitration system, 
Um, you know, there's other players, like if you're Anthony Rizzo, uh, beating Paul Goldschmidt was pretty important uh, back in the day, and he did. And then Freddie Freeman like blew both of those guys out of the water uh, in terms of the contract extension that he signed uh, with Atlanta. And I think of this big three that Brett uh, laid out, Rizzo probably has the least amount of leverage in terms of like his age. Uh, he's a couple years older than those guys. The position he plays is not like a premium defensive position. And he also has the most to gain, I think, by being a Cub for the rest of his career. I mean, he's really uh, anchored in the community. I think he loves being the face of the franchise. Uh, he probably, he has the longest, closest relationship to Jed Hoyer going all the way back to their Boston days. So I could certainly see that happening. And I also could see, you know, Rizzo having a lot of pride in what he does and, you know, maybe being a little disappointed in the end. We've seen how the Cubs operated this off season. We saw how far John Lester got with that, uh, kind of approach in this new uh, fiscal discipline. But at the same time, Rizzo's probably making more progress than he did. Was it after the 2019 season when um, Jesse Rogers of ESPN first put that out there of how uh, Rizzo's camp broached the idea of an extension then, and they essentially got uh, the Heisman. Um, So this is better than that. They're at least engaged Uh, and talking through Um, but we'll just have to see uh, if they can actually get it to the finish line here yeah few stray thoughts from my end on this stuff Um, one being obviously that with Rizzo they've gone through this process before and obviously it was when uh, he was much younger uh, pre-arbitration years and Theo Epstein of course was running the show at the time but Jed Hoyer was there and that probably does provide at least some useful information for both sides in terms of how to get to the finish line. And uh, by the same token, it's, it's, it was a deal that um, by nature of signing one of these things before you get to your arbitration years, where you are going to be leaving a lot of potential money on the table in exchange for a large guarantee. And, and maybe Rizzo's thinking, you know, I did that once now um, I need to move the ball a little further. I, I appreciate the reference to, Goldschmidt's contract and Freddie Freeman's contract. And that is a lot of how this works where players, not just for matters of ego, uh, but they do like to try to move the ball forward by topping previous deals because that's just how it it works for players. And so I think that's interesting in his case, because I don't know that um, his situation is going to um, advantage him when it comes to comps because of his age and because of his proximity to free agency. Um, But I think that uh, you guys make the good point that we're not always going to see a lot of the buildup other than a stray comment here or there. Uh, as with Kyle Hendricks, David Bodie's extension, uh, I mean, that shocked everybody. You know, we didn't see that coming at all. Although I will note that prior to those two, I mean, it, it sort of became a, a running joke that they hadn't extended anybody since the year that they extended Anthony Rizzo and Starlin Castro, which was what, eight years ago? Um, Now, I will note, just because I'm a nerd who obsesses about this stuff, those two deals, there was actually quite a bit of chatter in the run-up to it. And we sort of kind of had a sense that they might be coming. And so I I find it interesting now that even though we all know that they're going to be talking with these players in spring training, 
there just isn't a lot of um, of stuff leaking out, and that it probably speaks to a cultural component that um, maybe helps all the sides to keep it all in house until there's something to say. But it's it's hard from a fan perspective not to have it feel like, uh oh, I don't know if this is going well. You, know, you got the CBA coming up after this year, and teams might be extra tight about not wanting to extend guys past uh, this year, and um, maybe we'll use that as a a transition point from Rizzo to let's talk about Javi Baez a bit where, you know, his is a case where it's not dis- for me. It isn't that dissimilar from Rizzo in terms of you look at the organization and you're like, okay, this makes a lot of sense to keep this guy. Um, you know, Javi Baez has established himself as a top three defender at shortstop uh, other than Nico Horner, who could very easily cement himself at second base there's not really anybody coming up behind uh, Bias for a long time. Yeah, they're loaded in shortstop prospects, but all are quite young. There just there isn't really this. Um, oh, it would make sense to move on from Javi after this year. Instead, it makes sense to to marry up for a little bit longer. But then you look at this loaded shortstop class that's coming up, uh, of which he is a part. You look, like I said, at the fact that the CBA is expiring and we don't know what the financial landscape is going to look like after this year. You look at Javi being a guy who hasn't made as much in his career yet as Rizzo and Bryant have. Um, And you look at a guy whose uh, best offensive years were quite good, whose worst offensive years made him more like a, you know, great glove guy, not a great bat. And then you've got 2020, which who knows what to make of that year. And how you factor that into to what a guy's projections are and worth. And I land in a spot where, you know, if I were trying to put together a hypothetical contract uh, for Rizzo, I could probably do it. For Bryant, I could probably do it. For Javi, man, that range is just enormous in what's going to make sense for him, going to make sense for the Cubs. And although I can really see a good reason for them to stick together, I have a much harder time figuring out what that deal looks like. Yeah, I, I, that's a good point. It's it's hard to know what it's going to take to get it done to to get have both sides kind of get on the same page there. But I think in the end they do come to a compromise. I think it just uh, for me when I look at uh, you know I, I think everyone is kind of assuming that Lindor is going to stick with the Mets, right? You don't make that move. Uh, you, your first big splash is a new owner who's who's supposed to be uh, you know throwing money around almost. Uh, and, and not extend him. In all likelihood, he's going to get that big deal. And I, I think it, when you look at the rest of that shortstop class, uh, I you know you can make the debate. You can you can make the argument. I think for any of those guys, as for who's the top of the class, right? It's a, you know maybe a recency bias has some people liking Corey Seager more than than Javi Baez. But I think over you know overall, you look at what Javi Baez can do. He's an elite defender. Uh, you, you make a great point about the shortstops in the system. Remember, what was it, five years ago, how, how Cubs fans were saying, what are, what are we going to do with all these shortstops? Uh, too many shortstops in this <laughs> in this system. And, and there's there's I, I, I don't think there's that can ever be true, right? You can always use more up-the-middle talent in your system. And this guy, uh, Javi, has just kind of established himself as an elite defender at the most impo- important defensive position outside of catcher, maybe. Uh, and I just think his his value is hard to peg. 
But I also believe that overall, these the Cubs understand how important he is to what they do. Uh, defense is, especially this year, essential. Uh, and, and they've always valued defense overall, regardless of whether they have you Darvish on the mound or, or Kyle Hendricks on the mound. Uh, whatever type of pitcher they have on there, they know how important defense is. Uh, whether Javi's going to put up, you know, monster offensive numbers or not, whether that bat speed starts to uh, drop a little bit over the years and the later years of a theoretical ex- extension, I think uh, ultimately you know you can trust him as a defender. And even even if he does slightly lose range, I mean, he's an elite defender at multiple other positions uh, on the dirt. So I, I just think it, it makes all the sense in the world for this these two sides to come to an agreement. I also, just sitting there listening to him talk, watch it. He's not someone that's demanding that this needs to be done now. Uh, I don't want this as a distraction during the season. None of that stuff's being said. He's, he seems, he doesn't even seem upset that it's not done yet. It's more just like, hey, this is let's let's roll with the punches here. Let's see where this goes. Uh, eventually, we'll we'll figure something out, and and that that will appease both sides. I I think all signs point to uh, they can they they both seem to be comfortable as far as both sides, both the Cubs and the Hobbies camp seem to be comfortable with where they are and that eventually they'll, they'll come to a, a middle point here. Uh, it may not happen in a timely fashion as in, you know, before spring training ends, but I think, it, you know, at, at this point, it seems like that they can be patient and they're willing to kind of wait this out and, and get it done before he actually hits the open market. And Brett, I get what you're saying that there hasn't been like a steady, drumbeat of extension updates i think part of that is because we're not allowed in the clubhouse right now and we can't uh you know some of our interview subjects are limited in ways that pre-covid you know we could have been maybe hitting that up more but i do think that we know the broad outlines of what's going on we know that chris bryant extension is not on the table i mean so right there you're just xing out one of the big three that's kind of our understanding we know all of the personalities involved we know the agencies involved and how that they have had very productive long-standing relationships with uh jed hoyer and this front office we know that everyone loves playing for the cubs that there's no kind of um yeah they say one thing but we're not sure if they mean it or not like the Cubs, while a flawed organization in in some ways, kind of go all out for their players. And guys love the city. They love the ballpark. This isn't – the Cubs don't get all of the credit for this, but in terms of the entire package, um, it's a really uh, attractive destination. And we know that these guys um, have a lot of um, – at stake in, in terms of legacy – uh, in terms of a desire to be in a place that's comfortable with a manager and a coaching staff and a front office that kind of lets them be and gives them a lot of latitude and freedom as veteran star players. So uh, we don't know the years, we don't know the dollars, we don't know the ultimate answers, but I think other than that, all of the pieces are in place here. I mean, no, no one's going to be really shocked either way they'll probably be some prize of oh wow like they gave him that much or not 
uh, you know, only this many years, whatever the X is, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's, however that goes, we don't know that. But I, I think we know the general landscape of what's going to happen here or not. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, in tying into that, I think you're right that there's a, I wouldn't call it unspoken because we've talked about this for years, but there does seem to be this acceptance that among this trio, certainly, um, an extension with Chris Bryant has been unlikely for a long time. And um, whether whether you believe that's the case because there were previous talks that didn't um, come together in a deal, uh, you know, we can... We won't get into the old question of like, was it 200 million? Was it well over 200 million? No, no. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, but I think even setting that aside, and even at the time when that was being discussed, it it has always felt like an extension between these two was unlikely. And it was never as simple as just saying, oh, well, his agent Scott Boris. So that never, you know, it's never going to happen like that that always struck me as way too facile of an explanation because obviously we've seen some of his clients get deals done. And we know that if, uh, if a player is like dead set on extending, then an agent's just going to get the best deal possible. And so I think it's, it's more complicated than that. And then the way it has played out both in the trajectory of Chris Bryant's career, um, the way the market has changed as he's gotten closer and closer to free agency, I think, um, the service time grievance, again, none of these things are in isolation, but they are all fact, all factors in this. And I think we have reached a point where uh, it would be almost inconceivable that uh, a price tag that the Cubs would look at and say, yeah, that's a deal that we would do right now is something that Chris Bryant would say, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to roll the dice on 2021. I'm just going to take a deal which frankly, if, if I were doing sort of a market analysis and telling you what I think a reasonable level of risk in an extension is for a team right now on Chris Bryant, it's probably dramatically lower than anything we've ever discussed before for Bryant. And, and that's because of, again, there are certain injury issues. Uh, he, he's not old, but he is now approaching 30. Um, and the there are questions about which level of offensive projection for him going forward is is reasonable and so i just think he he just strikes me as a guy where it's like look i've made a lot of money in my career already and if this is the offer right now i'd much rather just play this year out bet on myself hit free agency and 
a part of this is moving the ball forward for other players. And um, we saw that with the service time grievance. That wasn't necessarily about bitterness toward the Cubs. It was about trying to do something that helps all players. And so uh, you take all that together and boy, it just, I think it's impossible to see them meeting together on a deal. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, I think from the information we've gathered, Baez and Rizzo are kind of the priorities right now. As far as talking extension, that's the focus. Uh, it, that doesn't mean they wouldn't want Chris Bryant back at a, at a reasonable price. I, I think the reality is it just doesn't make sense for either side. Like, why wouldn't Chris Bryant bet on himself? He's 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 coming off a really rough season. They've never really you know gone down too far when it comes to. Uh, talking extension they've never had much progress in the past so it'd just be it just he'd have to have a very uh, a dramatic change in how he views his, himself and and uh, like you said he, he's made a solid amount of money already uh it's not like there's a reason to take an under market uh, uh contract right now for him he unless he really like he's not the type that wouldn't bet on himself right he he believes he can be that player who he was in in 16 and 17 and and even uh what the year that uh, i believe it was 18 when he hurt his shoulder right the, that month and a half before that uh he believes he's that guy right so so why not continue to bet on yourself now if you still believe that that's what you are? And, and there's no reason why the Cubs would suddenly decide, you know what? Yeah, here's $250 million. Uh, that doesn't make any sense for them either. I, I mean, I know I know how there, there's, uh, you know, nobody wants to just see Chris Bryant walk away from the Cubs. But I think when, when you have so many players about to hit free agency and you know that you kind of have like a – a blueprint for a couple of them of how this may work out and how you can kind of come together on a deal. And, and with Bryant, that's just really not there. It, it doesn't seem to, I mean, logic just tells us that this isn't going to be something that happens right now. Things can change and they can obviously change quickly, but right now that, that seems to be at best on the back burner and, and we'll see where, where things go. If something surprising happens you know, maybe maybe there's a great first half and the Cubs really finally say that, yeah, this is we we can build around this whole core and we can extend this even longer uh, and, and something works out. I'm, I wouldn't rule it out. I just I, I still think even though we, we had some positive rumblings early on in spring, I, I just don't I don't see it working out that way. And, and if you if you're going to pick and choose which guys to bring back. Uh, and, and what makes the most sense and, and where you're the closest, I think we, we've hit on it. it it's, it's Rizzo and, and Javi, and if they can get that done, you take that as a, as a nice win, and, and you hope that your system continues to develop and, and that if, you, if Bryant ends up walking at the end of the year instead of being traded in July, that uh, you, know, you, can, you can allocate that, that, those funds in, in a proper fashion that it, we don't see a – another black hole at, at, at third, like we did between uh, Santo and uh, Ramirez. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to what we know. Like we know the Cubs were engaged with Javier Baez and his camp last March uh, actively before spring training shut down. We know that Rizzo um, already did an extension with the Cubs. They went through this whole process, one that went all the way into May of the 2013 season. And, I think you guys are both right in that 
in what world does it make sense for a Cubs Chris Bryant extension? It's really hard to imagine, especially given all the uncertainty we have. And I think if if there's another labor deal and baseball doesn't just fade to black forever uh, after 2021, uh, Chris Bryant will be very marketable as uh, assuming the DH comes to the National League. Uh, it might make the idea of one of these long-term contracts for position player approaching 30 uh, a little more uh, feasible from a club's perspective. He can play third, he can play first, he can play the corner outfield spots. Uh, NDH, all of a sudden, I think um, the teams that were not willing to pay $20 million and give up uh, some prospects for him this offseason might look at him uh, very differently considering that you know we're not talking about someone who you're kind of like hoping could reach a certain level you're talking about a top of the draft MVP talent with absolutely zero concerns about his uh, off the field behavior or kind of you know standing in the community okay so that can wrap the extension talk stuff I think we summed it up pretty well and hopefully um you know i think i should may i mean hopefully cuts a lot of ways maybe i shouldn't say hopefully but it'll be interesting to see if we have something more concrete to discuss in the next couple of weeks and then uh from there presuming maybe one or two deals get done and a chris bryant one does not then we'll just immediately turn to okay are they going to trade chris bryant at midseason and that's just the natural cycle of things so last thing um that we wanted to touch on just because he, he just had another start this week where you know, I thought it was the best he's looked. Um, it's Jake Arietta, who of course came back to the Cubs, uh, not having extended. See, they can, they can come back. They can go get their deal somewhere else and then come back for the glory years. Um, and it actually, you know, we've said for a while in this instance, it's a really nice fit to have Arietta back. Cubs are looking for innings uh, didn't really work out so well with the Phillies. There were some physical issues, but, um, you know, even at 35, Arietta is a guy who you would bet on to remake himself a bit as necessary to make his game still work, even as he ages. And, um, you know, his start this week, I thought the curveball in particular, which was always a weapon for him, but he had so many weapons that it was just sort of like, oh, that's just another pitch that he's got that's pretty good. Um, I thought it was interesting how heavily he leaned on it and how sharp the break was and how he spoke about it afterwards, uh, just about talking about what it, what an exceptional pitch it can be for him to even pitch backwards from the curveball. And I don't know, it just kind of made me think like, oh, I wonder if that's going to be a really big component of um, remaking him. A guy that we were thinking is like, oh, maybe he'll come in now as a new contact manager, but Actually, I mean, maybe he's just he's a guy who's now got a much better breaking pitch than he even had a couple of years ago. Yeah, if I remember correctly, when, when Arietta was a prospect or maybe when he was first drafted, whatever it was, that was his best pitch. That was the pitch that stood out uh, that everybody talked about. Over the years, he developed that slider cutter that, you know, we all remember. From, Say it. I remember it Say perfectly. It. Uh, <laughs> Say it. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> but, I mean, nobody nobody has forgotten how, he, how that pitch looked against the Dodgers in that no-hitter on Sunday Night Baseball, right? So 
it, he doesn't have that pitch exactly. I was ta- I asked him about that. Like it, I, I couldn't tell if the curve that he was throwing was sometimes also that that slider cutter. I'm not saying it. And uh, <laughs> but he said it was it was mostly the the curveball that he was using and that it was garnering so much swing and miss that it had that shape. I know it's spring training. I'm not talking about results purely here. I'm talking about the way that pitch looked was you know something that we really haven't seen in a while. Uh, just all his pitches really moved outside of uh, I mean uh, we talked about it with David Ross this morning. Uh, the changeup was a pitch that I wouldn't, you know, if that's how it's going to look, you don't really want to mess with it. I, I don't think you should use it that much because it, uh, there was no gun uh, for me to see the velo. So I thought those were bad <laughs> two seamers at one point, but it turns out that what was getting hit was a uh, were changeups that really had no depth to it. But his two seamer looked good. It, it was moving down, which you want to see nowadays. You don't want that that two seamer that just has only arm action because. That's what that's what hitters uh, thrive on right now. So he, he's got a, a that sinker, two seamer, whatever you want to call it, that really dives uh, down and in to righties. Uh, he can he can work it outside to righties as well. The curveball just looks great. He uses uh, he, he was explaining that he has two different uh, cutters right now. The one that we're used to that may not have the same type of depth, but it has depth and and cutting action. And then he has one that he he feels comfortable using that he. He wants to get soft contact on that. He basically explained, you know, when I fall behind on a, on a especially a lefty, I'm going to try and use this cutter to get in on their hands and, and get soft contact. I like the way that's working. And, and I got to say that uh, I know I know we joke about uh, Arietta uh, teaching Edward Alzali stuff, but uh, Alzali had a uh, had a had a B game today. And he, you know, as much as the slider was a big piece uh, for him last year. He was using the curveball more, and, and he said that the curveball was is arguably his best pitch, and he did get some advice from Arietta. he told us, on how to throw that pitch, how to better get some action on it, how to get some better action on that pitch, and, and it seems like it's working. Uh, he's really confident in both those pitches, Alzali, so it, it's kind of interesting to see how, he, how he'll use those pitches. Uh, the slider kind of got away from him this spring, so he, he seemed to lock it back in today. Uh, you know, it's a B game against his own team, against minor leaguers. You don't want to take too much away from it. But the fact that the pitches were moving like he wants them to, it's a good sign for Alzali as we still wait. Still no word on that option, by the way. Uh, we, we wait. They, they were, the Cubs were hoping that uh, they'd hear something by the end of the week. Of course, this is, this feels just like any other arbitration case, right? We, we were supposed to hear about uh, Chris Bryant's uh, arbitration. Was that last can't even remember. Was that last spring? Every, every other day, it seemed like, yeah, we're supposed to hear today. And, and we, it took so long to hear back on that. I mean, and, this and one, similar story. This one at least that. has like a literal cutoff. Like it, it, it can't extend yeah. past opening day because <laughs> then it's like, we'd be in this nebulous space of like, Oh, it's a, it's a, what is that? The, <laughs> the, the cat in the box. Of, he does have an option left and he doesn't have an option left. Uh, yeah. Schrodinger, it's Schrodinger's option. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's great to see Jake Arrieta getting swing and miss ultimately, because I think when you have a curveball like that, when you have a breaking pitch that can get swing and miss, uh, maybe maybe he's not just going to be this ground guy, ground ball guy, this soft contact guy, because I, I think that could be uh, a big part of the, this rotation. If, if Jake Arrieta, it's not going to be 2015 Jake Arrieta or 16 Jake Arrieta, but 
if he can, if he's not like a 18% strikeout guy, like he had been the last couple of years, it, it suddenly changes his value in my opinion. Yeah. I think they've done a really good job of managing expectations here. I felt like Jake Arietta once he got hot there in 2015, it became this kind of like countdown to free agency and like comparing him to Max Scherzer. And then there was kind of the backlash of, well, I wouldn't want to do six or seven years for a guy, you know, past his 30th birthday and how he could break down. But now that it's, you know, this one year deal, it's like, who cares? Like, like look at all the different ways that the Cubs could help him, particularly after uh, kind of the Phillies became a, a dumpster fire in a lot of different ways over the last couple of years that um, there are kind of like legitimate reasons to think, okay, this could work for reasons X, Y, and Z. And that it's not Jake Arietta having to like carry a pitching staff or worrying about, you know, how good he's going to be in like, you know, 2026. It's just, you know, can he get to the trade deadline and then we'll see whether the Cubs are, are good or not and where Jake Arietta fits at that point. And they trade him for the next Jake Arietta. Uh, so we'll <laughs> leave it there. Um, good talk. Good stuff getting through the extension stuff. And it is nice to be optimistic on Arietta and uh, beyond just like the nostalgia tour uh, uh, upon which the signing was originally billed. It's, you know, he might, he might be like a league average pitcher. And we will remind you that that's a really solid thing to have. So uh, thank you, folks. Be back at you next week. Last week of spring training is next week, like the, the full week it is. We've got, what, like 12 days. But um, we'll be back at you, believe, on the regular schedule. Uh, and thank you all for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. This is Onda Waveland. It's a podcast here at The Athletic. You've got Sahadif Sharma and Patrick Mooney doing their thing at The Athletic. You can get my stuff, Brett Taylor, at Bleacher Nation. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks and take care, all. Peace.